You're listening to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. We now present our program, Carmelite Conversations, with Francis Harry. Hello, welcome to Carmelite Conversations here on Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. This is Francis Harry, your host. My co-host Mark is not with me, but I ask you please keep him in your prayers as he recovers. You know, things are heating up in America over this upcoming presidential elections. You know what I'm talking about. Does our nation need a moral conversion? Yes, yes, I think so. Well, what better time is there than now to emphasize the importance of Eucharistic adoration, to grow in your own personal transformation as well as the world's transformation, to fight this suffocating plague of indifference and immorality. I have two guests with me here today, and we're going to talk about one very specific thing that you can do that will pay off in heavenly dividends, and that is beginning Eucharistic adoration. You know, Pope Benedict XVI, when he was the Pope, said, For every Christian generation, the Eucharist is indispensable food that sustains us as we cross the desert of this world, dried by ideology, ideological and economic systems that do not promote life but repress it, a world in which the logic of power and possession dominates instead of the logic of service and love, a world in which the culture of violence and death often triumphs. Jesus knocks at the door of our hearts and asks to come in not just for one day but forever. So with that, let us open the door of our hearts and come before the Lord to pray. I ask you to make a spiritual communion at this moment, to get quiet and invite the Lord into your heart. And let us pray the angel's prayer at Fatima. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Almost Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I adore thee profoundly. I offer thee the most precious body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ, present in all the tabernacles of the world, in reparation for the outrages, sacrileges, and indifferences whereby he is offended, and through the infinite merits of his most sacred heart and the immaculate heart of Mary, I beg of thee the conversion of poor sinners. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, like I said, I have two guests who are going to talk today about beginning Eucharistic adoration. My first guest is Teresa Gooding. And Teresa has been married to her husband, Mark, for 30 years. And they have two grown children. She lives in Beaver Creek, Ohio, and she attends St. Luke Parish, where she's involved in helping with Eucharistic adoration. I think she was the instigator of it. In addition, she serves and volunteers in various other ministries and committees. She's a tax manager for a local CPA firm, and her hobbies include hiking, boating, reading, and needlework. She's fun to be with. She's in her second year of Carmelite formation. Welcome, Teresa. Welcome to Carmelite Conversations. Thank you, Francis. I'm delighted to be here talking about Eucharistic adoration, which is near and dear to my heart. Wonderful. Well, I know you have a lot to tell us, um, but before we get into the conversation, I want to invite our um, 
introduce our second guest, Marika Zimmerman. Marika is married to her husband, Larry, and they have two adult children, um, whom Marika, by the way, homeschooled through high school. And she is um, in the secular order, the Discast Carmelite. She is definitively promised. And she presently serves as our secretary and the and is a liturgist for um, our whole community. She has been a sacristan for many, many years um, in several different churches. Um, she has a rosary-making apostle, and she is a frequent guest here on Carmelite Conversations. So good to have you back, Marika. It's my pleasure, Francis. As always, I enjoy being as a guest on your program, and so it's my pleasure to be here again. Well, I know you as a sacristan, and you, Teresa, as you began this program of you Eucharistic adoration in your parish, you have a lot to to uh, share with our listening audience. Um, you know, the very meaning of the word Eucharist means thanksgiving. And in his encyclical, Stay With Us, Pope John Paul II said, In Jesus, in his sacrifice, in his unconditional yes to the will of the Father, is contained the yes, the thank you, and the amen of all humanity. The church is called to remind men and women of this great truth. This is especially urgent in the context of our secularized culture, characterized as it is by forgetfulness of God and a vain pursuit of human self-sufficiency. That still rings true today. So let us start by answering this question. Teresa, tell us, what is Eucharistic Adoration? Well, Eucharistic adoration is the recognition and the honoring of the special presence of Jesus in the Holy Eucharist, the host. Adoration is the worship of the Eucharist outside of Mass. Since the Last Supper, when Jesus broke the bread and distributed the wine, saying, This is my body and this is my blood, Catholics have believed that the bread and wine become the actual living presence of Jesus and are no longer merely just the bread that we see with our eyes and the wine that we see with our eyes. And spending time before the Blessed Sacrament in prayer and devotion is exactly the same as spending time before the living God. And that's where we want to be, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I always Absolutely. think about being in front of Jesus in the tabernacle or when he's in the monstrance in exposition, um, that it's sort of like radiation therapy, you know, the sun rays, the S-O-N rays coming and uh, flowing over me and in, inebriating me with his divine love. So um, we all need that kind of radiation therapy, right? Absolutely. Well, um, I want to turn to you now, Marika. What is the importance of Eucharistic adoration? Get, you know, help us understand why this is what we need today and we need to be doing this. Okay, Um I can give you the book answer, but I think it's it's better if I just kind of just say it from my own experience. Great. Um, you know, as a daily mass goer, and I th I'm sure many of our our listeners go to mass daily. You know, you're you're in that that time after mass. You receive our Lord, but so many of us have to go. We have to hurry, and we really, in order to really. Um, spend that quality time with Jesus, we really need to be quiet after we receive Jesus in the Eucharist. And not just a minute or two, but just spend a lengthy amount of time because he's, he's truly present, body, 
soul, you know, body, soul, blood, and divinity. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) He's truly in his fullness present with us. And it's such a, it's such a beautiful grace to receive him in the most blessed sacrament. So we have Eucharistic adoration, which is kind of an extension of the mass where he remains present, but on the altar for us to worship and adore him. And it's not really, um, you know, people, people always have a mistaken idea of what, what Eucharistic adoration is. It is just spending time with the one we love. You know, we think back at the garden of Gethsemane. Will you not wait with me one hour? Right. You know, but that is, there's so much more to that. The apostles slept. I mean, you know, and, and our saints tell us, you know, Therese, we had the, the whole issue of her falling asleep in her adorations. But, you know, getting back to our initial question, it is spending time with the one we love. And the more time you spend with the one you love, the the deeper your relationship grows with that person, in this case, Christ. We get to know him and we become more and more um, closer to reflecting his image and being Christ in the world to others. Thank you. And we know that the apostles urged the Lord. They said, stay with us, Lord, for it's nearly evening and the day's almost over. So they were hungry. Um, and that's from Luke 24, verse 29. Um, I think that was the um, on the road to Ephesus, right? Um, anyway, um, and then from Matthew 28, 20, Jesus says, and behold, I am with you always until the end of the age. And from John six fifty one, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. And John six forty, indeed, this is the will of my heavenly father, that everyone who looks upon the son and believes in him shall have eternal life. Him will I raise up on the last day. And finally, John 15, verse four, remain in me as I remain in you. So that kind of gives us a scriptural setting, a scriptural foundation here. So now, Teresa, I want to turn to you. And um, I had a conversation with you not long ago about how you started Eucharistic Adoration at St. Luke. So I would like you to tell our listening audience, what, how did you first recognize that this is something you wanted to do? And then what did, what did you do? <laughs> well, I'll have to begin my story um of how I was prompted by the Holy Spirit oh, to good. start at the adoration program in my parish by stating that I'm a cradle Catholic. And I was not, for the first 50 years of my life, uh, not aware of Eucharistic adoration. Um, not and you're in, not alone. There are many. <laughs> I just, it, I just, I had never heard about it. Um, didn't really know it was a thing. So mm-hmm. until the f- fall of 2010. I was at a gathering of friends, and one of my friends, Sylvia, handed a CD of a talk by Jim Gruden recorded at a Catholic men's conference titled The Transforming Power of the Eucharist. And in that CD, Jim told about miraculous events in his, that t- transpired in his life and how his life is completely transformed after he began regular Eucharistic adoration. He first began Eucharistic adoration by going to a nearby church on his lunch hour during Lent. Mm -hmm. So I listened to that, and it was very interesting, and I kind of filed that in the back of my mind, thinking that that would be a wonderful thing to do next Lent. Right. So anyway, the following year in 2011, um, Lent was coming up, and I remembered Jim's talk, and I thought, oh, well. I think I'll um, maybe go once or twice a week on my way to work, uh, stop in at the Blessed Sacrament Chapel at St. Luke, and just spend a little bit of time. 
And so um, I found that on the days that I did stop in, um, and this is during busy tax season. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) And you really need a lot of prayer, right? (laughs) Absolutely. Um, I noticed that those days went a lot smoother. And I was just able to handle the the stress of of work um, much better. So you felt like you had more peace? So you you really felt a difference by having gone to um, the chapel to spend time with Jesus? I did. I did. And it it was just really very, very peaceful and um, wonderful. So but as as things happened, Lent ended and life, the hectic life kind of came back in and, and I kind of forgot about going to adoration. Mm-hmm. So, and sad to say, but it wasn't until the next year Lent came around and, and the thought occurred to me, oh, I remembered last year I went to adoration and it was very nice and um, so I made the commitment, and uh, this would be the Lent of 2012, to stop in every day awesome. uh, on my way into work. And, you know, this would be good for Lent or Advent, mm-hmm. you know, to, to get you, um, you know, to, to, to jump into it and, and begin. Okay, go ahead. Yes, yes. I, I, I love that the, we have these seasons in our um, church that kind of just bring an awareness. Right. So. So I, I made the commitment that year, and so I I did stop in every day uh, before work. And, and how long did you stay when you stopped in? I I probably started out um, stopping in for maybe ten or fifteen minutes. Okay, and then towards the end of Lent, I found that I was um, staying a little longer, and I actually um, scheduled my time going into work a little bit later, just mm-hmm. so that I would have time. Uh, more time to spend in the presence of the Lord. And I, I, Lent came, or at the end of Lent, I, I was in the habit of going, so I just right. kept going. Yay. And, um, and I don't know when it happened, but at some point in time, a few months later, I came to the realization that my priorities had radically shifted. And before, for the first 50 years of my life, I had gone to church on Sunday and maybe fit some prayer time into my busy schedule of work and other commitments and responsibilities. And then after this time of Eucharistic adoration, I was awakened to the fact that I was now fitting my work and other commitments and responsibilities around Mass and prayer time, reading, Scripture, and adoration. So it was kind of a whole shift of priorities. Praise God. That was a grace. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. That was a gift. A gift. So, And then I also um, found that I had developed an unquenchable thirst to know more about God and to grow deeper in my relationship with Jesus. And uh, so I, I continued um, going to Eucharistic Adoration. Um, mass came alive for me, and I began attending daily Mass which I had never done before. And you see the contagion, it spreads. See, I, I'm hoping you're catching this, all of you who are listening, because you can start adoration. You can start just five or ten minutes to begin, and then it just, you know, the Lord just keeps drawing you in. And see what's happening here. Okay, continue on. Okay. Yeah, um, so in addition to going to daily Mass, I started um, going into Bible studies mm-hmm. and be before that, I had never really read scripture on my own before, so I started reading scripture, and because of the studies, it made sense to me, and I started praying the rosary 
which I had never done that before either um, on a regular basis. So just wonderful things. Um, The thirst to grow deeper in my faith had reached a point in the summer of 2014. This was a couple of years after um, regular adoration where I actually was exploring the uh, possibility of enrolling in a master's of theology program. Mm. I just had that thirst to go deeper and know more. And a couple of days later after um, that, I, um, through an event that involved blood and a trip to the urgent care center, um, I got to know Marika better. Ah, and so there's the connection <laughs> there's the there connection, with Marika. Yes. <laughs> and she invited me to um, uh, a, a discalced Carmelite meeting that was, and I was so, uh, you can imagine my delight in discovering that at the end of each discalced Carmelite meeting, there's a holy hour before the exposed blessed sacrament and evening prayers prayed together. So after beginning Carmelite formation, I especially appreciated the quiet peacefulness of prayer and adoration and thought how nice it would be if our parish had exposition. And I was thinking, well, wouldn't it be nice if somebody started that? Right. And uh, so, <laughs> and so, you're realizing that somebody, somebody is you. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So Good for you. Um, by uh, last summer of 2015, the promptings of the Holy Spirit were so strong to have exposition at our parish that I mentioned it to a couple of, of my friends at the parish. And lo and behold, they also were getting very strong promptings from the Holy Spirit that we should have exposition of the Blessed Sacrament. So um, later in the program, we'll we'll discuss the steps that were taken um, to make exposition of the Blessed Sacrament a reality at our parish. All right, so we'll get back to that. But now let let me ask you, Marika, um, I'm going to ask you, what kinds of adoration are there? Okay, um, there there are several different types of adoration. you can have, you know, the simple, quiet kind of adoration. You can have um, the, the type where you're, you take your Bible and you meditate on a passage, um, Lexio Divina. It, you can take um, the gospel reading from that day. Um, there's the, the kind where you can uh, reflect on something that God is doing. And um, it was a Jesuit priest who talked about the distractions of our life. He right. said, if you have distractions in your life, Start with that in your adoration time, because if it keeps coming up, it's one of two things. Either God is highlighting that distraction because trying to teach you something that's going on in your life at that particular time, or it's best to just deal with it, get it out of the way, and then you can move into your prayer time. Um, The devotion to the Holy Rosary, you're meditating on the Gospels. A lot of people like to pray the Rosary, so that's always a good thing to do. Um, I think there's, I think we have a a couple of other things. Um, I know for some people, um, there, there's little books that can help, Mm -hmm. uh, reflections from priests. Uh, they have these, uh, there's a book that I use sometimes called 20 Holy Hours by Father Matteo Crawley. And we'll put those resources, we'll list those. Um, so when you go to the archives on Radio Maria, um, under Carmelite Conversations, we'll, we'll have those resources listed for you. So thank you for bringing that up. So there, there's, there's a lot of different ways, um, you know, and, and, uh, I, I see a lot of people, um, you know, taking reading material, mm-hmm. they're studying something, but 
adoration really is this one-on-one. It's loving the one who loves you. So, I mean, we can take a lot of stuff and do it like it's homework, and I've seen people do it, but really that's not the essence of adoration. Also doing the stations of the cross during adoration. This is not about his passion because he's there alive. And so it's being, it's spending time with the one you love in a living present way. And so if you're in need of healing, uh, if you are dealing with things, just pour pour out to Jesus what's on your heart. Um, You know, let him know how much you love him. And if you don't know how to pray probably the littlest desire, the littlest whisper of your heart is a beautiful prayer to him. If, if it's done in sincerity and in humility. So it's, you don't have to make it complicated. A lot of people try to make it you know, very structured. Yeah. You can just have that conversation with the Lord. And, and sometimes you're just listening. <laughs> and, and, you know, one of the things that happens for me is so, a song wells up mm-hmm. and I just sing to him, mm-hmm. you know, in a quiet internal way, I'd, because otherwise I'd be distracting other people. But there's sometimes a love song just comes up. So whatever, I mean, you know, it's your relationship with Christ and we're all in different places and he's working with each one of us and he wants to pour so much into us, but we have to allow him to work. And if we're if we're trying to make it scheduled, like I have, okay, 10 minutes, I've scheduled 10 minutes or 15 minutes or an hour. Okay, I'm done watching our watches. It really just, that becomes another distraction, mm-hmm. you know, so allow the Holy Spirit, you know, pray to the Holy Spirit when you, when you go to adoration and ask the Holy Spirit to say, what is this holy hour? I'm offering myself, Lord, what shall we do? You know, mm-hmm. rather than us structuring it, let the Lord structure it. <laughs> Well, let me also add that, you know, there are, when we talk about adoration, we, we're, there's different kinds where you can go in individually into the adoration chapel or to the church and, you know, just briefly visit Jesus. Or there can be a um, a formal group holy hour like our, our Carmelite community does, which is so beautiful, where we pray the evening prayer together and then we have 20 or 30 minutes of silence and, and then we do benediction. So, And then there's, of course, the 40 hours devotion in the parishes that may do that. Um, there was even in, in uh, I remember studying about St. Therese's um, father, Louis Martin, um, who had nocturnal adoration, him and Herman Cohen, uh, really big on on nocturnal adoration, adoring the Lord through the night. So uh, there's different kinds of adoration as well. I'm going to ask you, Teresa, um, why do you think it's so valuable to visit the Blessed Sacrament frequently? It's because Christ himself is present in the sacrament of the altar. And it's our opportunity and our privilege uh, to honor and adore him and just be with him. And through that, the, we open ourselves to the graces that flow from him and the love that flows from him to us. And Rika, do you have anything to add to that? I just want to say that, I mean, it, it, just think of it in a in married couple's terms, you know? I mean, what if you never talk to your spouse? Or your spouse never talked to you. What kind of a marriage would you have? Um, Our relationship might get a little (laughs) stiff. You know, we need to spend time with the one who loves us. Right. All right. Well, we're coming up to our break, and we have a lot more to talk about. So we're going to take a little bit of break, but please come back, and we're going to tell you so much more um, about beginning Eucharistic adoration. Thank you. We'll be right back. As we seek your face, 
listening to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. We now return to Carmelite Conversations with Francis Harry. Well, welcome back to Carmelite Conversations. I'm speaking here with Teresa Gooding and Marika Zimmerman on beginning Eucharistic adoration. And we have a lot more to talk about. I just want to start with this funny story from Archbishop Fulton Sheen. I mean, he's in the news now because we're trying to get him canonized. Uh, It's a little bit of a situation there because nobody wants to give up his body, right? (laughs) But anyway, here's one of his stories. He said, sometimes it's hard, especially during vacation when we have nothing to do. I remember once having two hours between trains in Paris. I went to the church to make my holy hour. They're not 10 days a year I can sleep in the daytime, but this was one of them. I was so tired. I sat down at 2 o'clock p.m., too tired to kneel, and I went to sleep. I slept perfectly until 3 o'clock p.m. I said to the good Lord, did I make a holy hour? The answer came back, yes, that's the way the apostles made their first one. So, uh, oh, you know, humor is really good. All right. Well, um, let's let's talk a little bit. I want to share a little bit about what Holy Mother Teresa, St. Teresa of Abba, what her view on the Eucharist was. You know, she didn't feel like a foundation uh, had begun without putting the Eucharist in the tabernacle. That that was the signature point of beginning any of her foundations. Um, someone once said to St. Teresa of Abba, if I only I had lived at the time of Jesus, if only I had seen Jesus, if only I had talked with Jesus. Well, Teresa responded to him, 
But do we not have in the Eucharist the living, true, and real Jesus present before us? Why look for more? I am quite sure that if we could but once approach the Most Holy Sacrament with great faith and love, it would suffice to make us rich. How much more so if we approach it often? So um, she actually, uh, the Eucharist was so uh, important, of course, to her and to all the Carmelites. If you remember the history of the Carmelites, when they began on Mount Carmel, uh, circling around the oratory, it was the Blessed Sacrament in the center. So they circled around. So, you know, we begin this order um, uh, with the followers of Elijah circling around the oratory and adoring the Lord. So um, I'd like to get on with Marika. Would you um, maybe share some of the things they some of our other Carmelite saints have said about the Eucharist. Well, since Teresa was talking about her 10 minute visits and how she started, I'm going to read um, about St. Um, if I don't pronounce this right, Francis, correct me, St. Mary Magdalene de, de Pazzi. Uh-huh. Um, and I found this quote and says, a friend she wrote, will visit a friend in the morning to wish him a good day in the evening, a good night taking also an opportunity to converse with him during the day. In like, in like manner, make visits to Jesus Christ in the Blessed Sacrament if your duties permit. It is especially at the foot of the altar that one prays well. In all your visits to our Savior, frequently offer his precious blood to the Eternal Father, and you will find these visits very conducive to increase in you divine love. I just love that. Increase in you divine love. Yes, that is a great um, gift from adoring the Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. Teresa, what, what quotes do you have from our Carmelites? Well, there's there's one by uh, St. Therese of Lisieux, um, and she... The quote goes, heaven for me is hidden in a little host where Jesus, my spouse, is veiled for love. I go to that divine furnace to draw out life, and there my sweet Savior listens to me night and day. Mm, That's beautiful. So, and we want to be hidden with him. So we just put ourselves right there in the host with him. And you know, from um, Augustine Maria of the Blessed Sacrament, now, who knows who that is? <laughs> Does anybody in the audience know? I, I hope you're thinking that's Herman Cohen, the great musician and composer. He said, yes, I am happy, perfectly happy. And do you wish to know where I find true happiness? At the feet of Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. All right, Marika, let's get have one more round here. All right. Um, I would like to... Um, read a little bit from St. Teresa Benedict of the Cross. Oh, I love her. Yeah. To make room in our life for the Eucharistic Lord so that he can change our life into his. Is that asking too much? Hmm. That really fits with the theme of what we've been talking about. All right, Teresa, do you have one more? Yeah, I've I've got one from St. Teresa Margaret Reddy of the Sacred Heart. All right. May the Sacred Heart of Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament be praised, loved, and worshipped in all the tabernacles of the world. Ah, what continual irreverence he receives from man in his own house. In his humility, he deigns to dwell in our midst. Yet how often is he neglected and forgotten, left in empty churches, while in his turn he never grows weary of this lonely vigil. Truly, love is not love. 
Beautiful. All right. Well, um, let's go on to, um, I found this article, 24 Reasons for Spending a Holy Hour Before the Blessed Sacrament. And I know that there are 12 of them that come from the popes and the the other 12, and I will put this in the resources so you you all can find this. The other 12 were biblical reasons for wanting to spend one hour with Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament. Marika, would you um, uh, share a few of those for us? And then Teresa? Okay. Uh, um, these are from the teachings of the church on, on why we should spend uh, that time with Jesus. Um, this is from Pope John Paul II. You are greatly needed. The church and the world have a great need of Eucharistic adoration. All right. And Teresa? Um, another reason is that this is a personal invitation to you from Jesus. Again, this is from Pope John Paul II. Jesus waits for us in the sacrament of love. Beautiful. And I'm going to mention two more scriptural passages from Matthew 28, 20 and Jeremiah 31, 3. Behold, I will be with you always, even to the end of the world, because I have loved you with an everlasting love and constant is my affection for you. And then also from Matthew six twenty one and twenty six forty, where your treasure is, there is your heart. Could you not watch one hour with me? All right. So hopefully we're, we're helping to uh, get you excited about um, the great benefit, the great love, the great personal transformation and also world transformation that can happen that you can be a part of by adoring Jesus in the Eucharist. So now I want to get to Teresa, um, how you first set up this adoration program in St. Luke's. Well, after receiving that very strong promptings from uh, the Holy Spirit, um, I mentioned as before how I had uh, spoken to a couple of friends there at St. Luke as well, and they also were having promptings. So, so you found your support group. Yes. Well, that's good. Yes. And um, you figure we're two or more are getting the same promptings yes. that, that we need to um, listen to those promptings oh. and act on them. Yes. Good. So, um, we uh, we approached Deacon Jerry Dupree, um, our deacon at, at St. Luke, and just to see what we needed to do to make sure that this um, this actually could be uh, could actually happen that we could mm-hmm. have exposition and make it a reality. So, and he strongly believed in the merits of exposition of the Blessed Sacrament as well, and he said that he would uh, be happy to bring it up at the next staff meeting. And so he he did talk with Father Terry and the other staff members. And then he came back to us and said that um, Father Terry said that if we could find uh, four people uh, committed to each time slot, um, that we could then bring the um, idea to the parish council to to get approval. What kind of time frame were you talking about? A a half a day, a full day? What what, what was your beginning um, schedule going to be? Okay. Um, Well, Deacon Jerry had suggested that we... um, make half hour time slots but, and, but oh, for a, for a, for just the morning well they they initially um said well maybe just an hour or two after mass and oh, then but okay. then we were thinking well why not all day 
Okay. And then, <laughs> so they were going with enthusiasm we, we thought, here. <laughs> well, you know what? We'll put it out there and see if if we have enough um, interest and enough people willing to commit. And um, we'll and just Did see. you find four people for every half-hour slot for all day? We did. Oh, my goodness. This is great. Yes. And that this um, we were, that was just by the grace of God and the Holy Spirit um, and faithful people that are willing to commit. Um, and all these people wanting to do it, but but it's not happening. So it took you and a couple of the others who you caroused together. <laughs> we we and, went to around. Ask. Yes, we we went around with uh, clipboards um, for a couple of months. Uh-huh. Um, you know, just every person that we would um, run into, we just would say, and it was kind of a, a chicken and the egg thing. You know, it, it's we asked if they would commit to something, but we didn't have approval for it yet. Mm-hmm. So we said we provisionally, you know, if, if is assuming that we do get um, approval for this, would you commit to time? And was this um, just before the Blessed Sacrament or did they expose Jesus and the monstrance for exposition? What, what was the beginning like? Well, um, we were we were trying to get people to commit to exposition. Um, and we, at this point, we didn't have, we've, to my knowledge, um, at least the time that I had been at St. Luke, I had never um, seen exposition at St. Luke. Um, okay. I think they might have done it for one day um, during Lent, um, mm-hmm. but it wasn't really advertised much. Okay. Um, I think they, so anyway, we, we thought that we needed to get regular weekly exposition. Oh, wonderful. What a great start. And Marika, I know there are certain conditions for having Eucharistic adoration. Um, uh, And you being a sacristan, you have prepared many a time for for this. So give us an idea of what what the bare minimum requirements are. Well, one of the things is that, um, you know, Teresa had talked about four people. The norm is that there have to be two people present at all times. Right. And our Lord is never to be left alone. So um, if there's like and one. And this is when he's in the monstrance. In the monstrance when right. he's exposed. Okay. And there's all sorts of things, in, in, you know, where some churches have little doors. Um, you know, I'm not going to talk about that one right here. We're talking about exposition of our Lord in the monstrance on the altar. Okay, good. Um, usually the priest uh, will expose our Lord after Mass. That's the normal way to do it, unless there's a separate holy hour. But in this case, I know at St. Luke's, the way they do it, they have mass first. And then uh, the deacon or father will expose our Lord in the the, uh, St. Dominic's chapel. That's usually where they will have exposition. And you have the candles. The candles on the altar, uh, the incense. Music, any music? Um, Yeah, they sing O Salutaris for exposition. And um, generally then they go into, it's supposed to be quiet. And um, they have little prayer booklets. We have a little sign up. Um, and people are supposed to stay, like Teresa said, a half an hour. We've invited people for half-hour blocks. And you can stay your whole hour, just sign up for two con- consecutive half-hours. Um, and it, it's it's important, though, that you, you are attentive to the fact that it's our Lord present. You know, it's not a social thing. There should not be talking. If you do need to talk, go outside. There's narthexes. There's other places to chat. It's supposed to be silent. Now, holy hours, as you mentioned earlier, um, where they have designated songs and prayers and things like that, where it's a specific holy hour, like for vocations or like with the Carmelites. Or for the novena for Therese that's coming up, which I think 
starts Wednesday, right? The 22nd. Don't forget, everybody, join us with St. Therese's um, Novena. The mm-hmm. Little Flowers Novena starts Wednesday, the 22nd. So for nine days. Okay, sorry. Mm-hmm. I had and and so, so the norm is that there, there needs... In, in normal circumstances, two people present. And um, if there's an emergency or something and uh, a person can't stay, maybe something happened. And I've, I've actually experienced this myself. Um, there was nobody coming. Um, and the other lady had to leave. Uh, we went and got father or the deacon and they just reposed our Lord. Okay. Um, so if you find yourself in a church and nobody's coming then, and nobody can stay, then find the deacon or the priest to repose our Lord. And sad, but you don't really want to shut adoration. <laughs> Might be good to have his phone number in your cell phone, right? <laughs> well, um, thank you for that. And um, Teresa, I want to ask you then when you first began then what what was your format what was your setup give us you know what kind of days what kind of hours well um historically we uh st luke had um uh set aside tuesdays i i believe that's because um that's the day when the school children uh come to an all-school mass on tuesdays and so the one day a, a year when they did exposition they they did it on a tuesday and I think that um, in years past, maybe people had thought about trying to get exposition, and so they set aside Tuesday um, for adoration in the Blessed Sacrament Chapel. So that had been the norm at our parish um, Mm -hmm. to just go on Tuesdays, and there was a a sign-in book if you – and this is – where Jesus was in the tabernacle. Right. It, it, it was an exposition in the right. monstrance, but... Um, yeah, our tabernacle is not in the main sanctuary or in the chapel. There's a Blessed Sacrament Chapel. It has like about 20 chairs in mm-hmm. there and the tabernacle, and it's a quiet space. Um, so, yeah, they, they would have to put in a table or something because you mm-hmm. you wouldn't be able to do exposition in there, and plus it's too small. Right, right. <laughs> so... Um, so we uh, uh, talked about where, to, you know, where to have exposition, and and we have just a wonderful, uh, beautiful Saint Dominic Chapel. It's a day chapel. It's where we have our daily masses. And what's really cool is uh, it has a beautiful stained glass window on the wall facing west. Mm-hmm. And so in the evenings uh, or the late afternoon, you'll get the sun shining through the uh, stained glass onto the monstrance. Nice ambiance. Oh my goodness, yes. It's, it's just um, spectacular. And spectacular. I know I know you've got some amazing pictures that, that came from there. I wish I knew how to post those because um, uh, the light uh, created uh, something that was very phenomenal looking. <laughs> yes, yes. The um, the host appeared uh, bright red. Like um, a heart. Like yeah. a heart, yes. Yeah, it was beautiful. And it, it has natural, you know, there's a natural explanation right, right. for that, but it was nonetheless very spectacular and it was kind of cool because I, I was there and, and just the message that came to me while I was in adoration one time was let my light shine for all to see oh beautiful so yes okay so Marika how do how do you get parishioners involved how you know say you've got this set up now and I know you go to St. Luke's too both of you together um how did you get so many people I mean I know you had a, a core group but how did you spread how do you get them involved well for me it was it was one person at a time an invitation I would see the daily mass people mm-hmm. um you know sometimes I spend a lot of time downtown but sometimes I go to the you know north 
north to the other parish because they have exposition on Fridays, which I love. I love exposition. And um, I would just share with people. I'm like, have you tried adoration? You know, there's adoration at St. Luke. Uh, would you like to come? We now have it all day on Tuesday. I would just like advertise it and let people know. And so people from even other churches like downtown that go to a, a noon mass, for, for example, um, they're like, oh. We've never really tried exposition. We did a long time ago. Wow, that's really neat. We'll we'll try going. So they wouldn't really sign up for it. Mm -hmm. But then I started seeing them just show up for half an hour here or half an hour there. And I thought, that's beautiful. So word of mouth and also your excitement and what God is doing in your life and just sharing, you know, what it's doing for you is the best advertisement. Right. That personal invitations go a long ways too, um, to, to bring that to somebody's attention. Cause you might go to Teresa who didn't even know about this, uh, for 50 mm -hmm. years. And, and then somebody invites her to come. You heard that talk on the CD, mm -hmm. which was the invitation to come, come spend some time with the Lord. Right. That, so that, that was the seed that was planted. So. Yeah, and we also, um, sent out, um, emails, uh, to, um, inviting people, telling them about exposition at the at the beginning, and asking people to please forward you know, this to, so that all all would. I, lo I love the way that it's evolved because it was just a regular email and just sign up, and then you signed up for this genius thing or whatever. And I thought, wow, this really brings it into the new the new era. <laughs> well, now I want you to tell us about this genius thing. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, w when we started out, it was um, very. Uh, we started out with using an Excel spreadsheet, you know, and, and it was very labor intensive. And I had people that would um, uh, sign up for certain time time blocks, but then if they were going to be out of town, then they would have to call me and let me know. And then substitutes. I, I, yeah. Then I would find substitutes and get the word out through emails. Um, and then we found this Sign Up Genius, which is an, an online program. Um, I believe a lot of um, people, homeroom moms and uh, sports teams, you know, if they're trying to organize things, use this program. And so we were able to uh, set up a program each month. Um, it, it's a new sign up. And we list out all the time slots. And so people can log into it and then sign up, you know, for their time slots. And then if they need to change a time, switch their times, they can do that. But what's really nice is that everyone, um, the substitutes can look at the program and find where the holes, you know, holes are. And the vacancies for, are. The vacancies <laughs> are, yes. And so if, if you that, see that there's five signed up for one hour or, or six and there's mm -hmm. one for this other hour, you can actually move yourself. And mm -hmm. what's the name of this program again? It's called Sign Up Genius. Sign Up Genius. So you yes. do like www.signupgenius.com or something like that? Um, or yeah, just do a search for Sign Up Genius. Probably could. Um, we actually have a, a direct link to our sign up, and it's it's each month. It's a new link, okay. so um, you set up a separate thing for your church. Yes, within right. it. Right. So, and, and then that goes out to uh, it gets emailed out to the people on our adoration team, mm -hmm. and and our goal is to have everyone on the adoration team. Well, that is really awesome. Well, I know that. Um, Father John Harden, a wonderful priest who's written many, many, many articles about um, the Eucharistic presence on the realpresence.org, I believe is the website. Um, 
and he is, I think, they're trying to get him um, beatified. Father John Hardin had some strong reasons why we should develop and spread Eucharistic adoration, especially with young people. And I just want to read his quote. He said, because otherwise our young Catholics will become what their peers already are in large measure, victims of an anti-Christian militia that dominates our media and political system. Because as we enter the 21st century, we need a well-formed, deeply committed, and powerfully motivated Catholic leadership, which is the children and young people today. Eucharistic adoration opens the soul to heroic virtue and increases one's ability to be a channel of miraculous grace in a godless world world. So Teresa, can you give us a few suggestions on what parents might do to help um, encourage Eucharistic adoration? We only have a few minutes left, so let's just do this real quick. Okay. Just uh, regularly attending Mass, um, bringing your children with you to adoration um, is right. huge. Um, and maybe start with five minutes. Yes. You know, yes. Just age, those, appropriate. Yeah. age appropriate. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, participate whenever possible. Um, just our, by our actions, we may genuflect um, with reverence before the Blessed Sacrament that, that teaches our children uh, the importance and talk to our children. Just tell them that Jesus truly is present in the Eucharist. I think so many kids just miss it. And I, I know I missed it for a, a big chunk of my life. I didn't really, really get it. So, And I know we can study it in the catechism. Um, I think number 2,096 and 2,628, Marika, you had pointed that out. Yeah, there was just a little brief um, uh, little paragraph on adoration. Uh, 2096 says, adoration is the first act of the virtue of religion. To adore God is to acknowledge him as God, as the creator and savior, the Lord and master of everything that exists as infinite and merciful love. You shall worship the Lord, your God, and him only shall you serve, says Jesus. Beautiful. Do you want to I yeah, can read, read the, the other the, one? The other, one. Well, we, the we other can... one is um, also in the catechism and it's number 2628. Adoration is the first attitude of man, acknowledging that he is a creature before his creator. It exalts the greatness of the Lord who made us and the almighty power of the Savior who sets us free from evil. Adoration is homage of the spirit to the king of glory, respectful silence in the presence of the ever greater God. Adoration of the thrice holy and sovereign God of love blends with humility and gives assurance to our supplications. Hmm, beautiful. And, you know, we need we need to read about the saints and what they're saying about the Eucharist. And we're going to post a lot of resources on where you can find some materials. I have to quickly tell you, um, one of my favorites from the Carmelites is um, Bread of Heaven. It's a treasury of Carmelite prayers and devotions on the Eucharist. It's by um, compiled by Penny Hickey. And also Eucharistic Colloquies, by Mother Maria Candida of the Eucharist. I believe she's a, a blessed right now. Um, and it is her meditations on the Eucharist. So um, beautiful resources. All right, we um, are coming here up to the end of our hour. Um, and so I, I just want you to know, do you have any closing comments, uh, Teresa? Anything you want us to, to know real quick? I just highly, highly recommend that everyone spend time uh, in the presence of the Lord. Uh, just just go and, and 
be in his presence and, and his love. Yeah, we need his peace. We need his love. <laughs> Marika. And and uh, I, I learned a couple of things when I initially when I learned about Eucharistic adoration um, that, you know, it teaches you a mindfulness of our Lord because when you're not with him in adoration, then think about him when he's alone in that dark church. And think about the churches that he's not being visited. And you can send your guardian angel to do adoration for you in the far off churches where he's not being loved and adored. And I mean, it's just just a beautiful way because our spirit and our souls are all connected. And in those parishes, maybe where he's not being worshipped and adored. But if one, you know, one soul sends their guardian angel there, think what that could start, you know, light that little fire in all these little places. Um, so I just encourage people just start small. It doesn't have to be a big thing. Just go in and tell him, you know, how much you love him. And the Lord will draw you. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you both. Thank you, Teresa, for sharing. And thank you for starting that adoration program at St. Luke's and hopefully inspiring somebody else to um, maybe start this in their parish. And thank you, Marika, for coming on to the program again. And we appreciate all your insights. And I just want to issue a spiritual challenge for everybody. Uh, here's the challenge. Spend time at least once a week. I mean, I would say every day, but uh, I'm just going to say right now, just spend time once a week adoring Christ in the Blessed Sacrament. You know, maybe start with five or ten minutes, um, but you will see how wonderful this is. This is great prayer time. You know, Pope John Paul II in his encyclical Stay With Us, Lord, said, May all of you, the Christian faithful, so he's talking to you and he's talking to me, rediscover the gift of the Eucharist as light and strength for your daily lives in the world, in the exercise of your respective professions amid so many different situations. Rediscover this above all in order to experience fully the beauty and the mission of the family. So I'm so grateful that you all have been listening to our conversation about beginning Eucharistic adoration. And I want to invite you to read turn with us next week when Mark will be back, we hope, um, and we plan to talk about the sign of the cross. If you had read the books, there are books written on just making the sign of the cross, and they're so deep and profound. We'll have lots to talk about on that, so that's what we plan to do next week. Meanwhile, again, thank you, Teresa. Thank you, Marika, and let us close with our final prayer, and this comes from, um, it's a prayer for the spread of perpetual adoration um, from the Pope John Paul II Eucharistic Adoration Association. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, increase our faith in the real presence of your Son, Jesus Christ, in the Holy Eucharist. We are obliged to adore him, to give him thanks, and to make reparation for sins. We need your peace in our hearts and among nations. We need conversion from our sins and the mercy of your forgiveness. May we obtain this through prayer and our union with the Eucharistic Lord. Please send down the Holy Spirit upon all peoples to give them the love, courage, strength, and willingness to respond to the invitation to Eucharistic adoration. We beseech you to spread perpetual adoration of the most blessed sacrament in parishes around the world. We ask this in the name of Jesus the Lord. Amen. Our Lady of the Most Blessed Sacrament, 
Help us to spread the glory of your Son through perpetual adoration. In the name of the Father, and in the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. And in, we hope to be with you next week. Until then, pray, hope, don't worry. God bless you.